Okay. You know, that, that uh, prayer, Shane, uh, Sheen, pray, that just feels uh, very appropriate because uh, in many ways we felt, we knew that uh, 2020 has um, been a difficult year. And so now we're to 2021. And like, I think we've been hoping for this for so long. I don't know if anything has really changed, maybe our mindset, but, um, you know, we continue just to ask for the Lord's help and, and His blessing. Uh, and so I want to, along with everyone who's been up here so far today, I want to welcome you to 2021. And uh, we are hoping for the best and praying for God's blessing upon us and our church and ultimately that he would advance his kingdom through us. I set a New Year's resolution a couple weeks ago to lose 15 pounds. And uh, I've only, I now only have 20 to go. And uh, so, uh, you know, uh, I guess I like Christmas cookies too much and New Year's Eve pizza or if that's a thing, but that's that's my thing. And uh, and so even though it's January 3rd, I'm already over resolutions. Uh, I'm done with uh, these resolutions. In fact, I've entitled today's sermon, Forget Resolutions, Form Convictions Instead. And, uh, you know, resolutions, they come and go. Resolutions are notorious. New Year's resolutions, we, we form them and then we're done with them in a week or two. Uh, if we're really disciplined, we make it a couple months. But convictions stay. Convictions are what, how we actually live our lives. Convictions are what uh, form uh, our values and cause us to do what we do. Convictions are... Uh, what what caused us to say what we say in our conversations and and what uh, we think about in our minds. Convictions are what counts. Convictions are what we build our lives upon. So on this first Sunday of 2021, I want us to think about the convictions that you have in your life. What are the convictions? All of us are driven by our convictions. What would be the core convictions of your life? And this morning I want to challenge us from God's Word to have this as the core conviction of our lives, to worship and serve God alone. To worship and serve God alone. Did you know that the ground under your feet is shifting? The the world in which we live is changing. It's changing more rapidly than ever. And I don't need to give a bunch of examples of this. Like, I think most of us recognize that the world that we live in, the culture that we live in, is very different than it would have been 20, 30 years ago. It's very different than uh, what, it's been, what it was five years ago or even one year ago. The reason I bring that up is because I actually think the pandemic has, has uh, uh, accelerated the cultural shifts that uh, we see uh, going on around us. And just because we gather together for worship, I'll give us one example. Far less people go to church today than they did in the past. And there's a, there's a cultural shift that's moving away from God. And I bring that uh, to, to our recognition because I want us to be wise to look at our convictions it's very easy just to adopt the convictions of the world around us because the messaging is constant. We have it from all sorts of uh, 
have it coming from every angle. And so we would be wise not to just adopt the convictions or the belief or beliefs simply because of majority opinion. We would be wise to look critically at what we really believe. And is it leading to the type of life that we would really ultimately want to live? Everyone is, uh, has convictions, but very few of them verbalize them. Most of them just receive it by osmosis, whatever everyone else around them believes. And there's a heaviness in the air today to conform to society's values. It's, uh, the, and so we want to be critical thinkers when it comes to your convictions. There's a story in the Bible about uh, four guys who had the ground shift beneath them. The four men are Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. And the story is found in the Old Testament book of Daniel. And we're going to look at just one chapter of Daniel over the next several weeks. One chapter, uh, we're going to look at chapter 3 of Daniel. And we're going to look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, we are going to consider their lives. Now, uh, we're going to spend five weeks in, in this chapter. So we're going to learn to, first of all, pronounce their names. All right? Because I grew up pronouncing, uh, I didn't pronounce all the names right. I was, I was taught them wrong. I, I, I did a little research, and the, and the correct pronunciation, repeat after me, Shadrach, Shadrach. Meshach, Meshach, Abednego. Okay, that, the third one's the one we always get wrong. But uh, Abednego, and, uh, and the fourth is Daniel. But we're going to focus on the first three. The reason the ground shifted underneath them is because they grew up in the, uh, in the ancient uh, Israelite city of Jerusalem. And, they, and, uh, and then uh, King Nebuchadnezzar from the mighty uh, Babylonian Empire came in and he attacked the city. And, uh, and he besieged the city very quickly. It was, they, didn't, they weren't able to put up much of a fight. Babylon was huge. It was powerful. Uh, Jerusalem was weak and, and couldn't uh, resist the army that was coming against them. Now, what Nebuchadnezzar did, and this obviously sounds like a good strategy, whenever he took over a new area, he would take the cream of the crop. He would try to find out the, most, the, the people that were the smartest and the and, uh, uh, most physically fit, and, and then he would bring them back, and he would basically indoctrinate them. They'd eat at the king's table. They'd hear the philosophers and the educators in Babylon. Uh, they'd have front row seats to the concerts, and, and uh, they'd see all the culture. And it was, it was believed that if they were put into this position, over time they would eventually have the conviction of the Babylonians, and they would forget whatever, whatever convictions they had coming uh, from wherever they came from. And what's fascinating about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is they don't forget their convictions. In fact, uh, we basically have three points that we're going to cover over the next five weeks. One is they maintain their personal devotion to the Lord. Two is that they had a public witness for God. And three, they had worldly success with God. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel eventually rose to be the highest rulers in the kingdom of Babylon. That is so interesting to me, uh, given the fact that they never, they never abandoned their personal devotion to God. 
And they, and they actually had public witness for God. And not only Nebuchadnezzar, but the king that came after them, Belshazzar. Uh, Daniel Rhodes, the, the highest official in that land as well. Two kingdoms. And I look at these, uh, these four guys, and I am a blown away. In fact, I think, I think that they give us a tremendous example to look at our lives and to look at the world around us. And we might consider uh, if they have convictions and a way of life that we would be wise to adopt. And, the, uh, and I'm going to impress upon us that they do. The sermon series is uh, entitled, Actions Speak Louder with Words. You've heard it said, Actions Speak Louder uh, Than Words. And uh, that's true. But I, I'm going to impress upon us that we got to not only uh, have actions, they have to be accompanied with words. And we'll get it started uh, today. But uh, we're going to be challenged over the next five weeks with this idea that actions speak louder with words. Let's look at Daniel chapter 3, and today we are considering verses 1 through 6. The, um, the uh, words will be on the screen if you're watching it at home, um, and uh, if you're with us, they're in the program. But I encourage you to um, you know, get this out and read it in your Bible and meditate, it on, meditate on this chapter over the next few weeks. Use it in your devotions. This is Daniel 3, 1 through 6. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the providential officials to come uh, to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other providential officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. We're not told exactly what the image is, but it's pretty safe to assume that it's an image of the king himself. Because just in the previous chapter, Nebuchadnezzar had an image in a dream that, uh, of uh, a, an image that was created in his likeness. And so we assume this is the fulfillment of that dream. It's an image of Nebuchadnezzar, and it's, and it's quite impressive. It's 60 cubits wide. Uh, tall and six cubits wide a cubit is about a foot and a half now and so let's think about this for a minute how how tall do you think the education building here is 20 feet you think so let's just assume that's 20 feet it's two stories this statue would be four and a half times that tall in the ancient world this is amazing uh 90 feet up in the air nine feet wide covered in gold and all of the uh, leaders are called to the plain of Dura to come and to admire this statue. 
And we're told who, uh, who the leaders are. Uh, they're, um, uh, they're political leaders, economists, judges, city officials, military commanders, and the king's advisors. And, uh, and as soon as the music starts, and it's probably the city orchestra, this is the best music they could get, uh, all the top musicians would be there. As soon as the music starts, everyone was to bow down. It's a, it's a sign of unity. Everyone is to believe the same thing. Everyone is to worship uh, the same thing. And can you imagine the pressure that Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego must have felt as a Thousands of people on the plane all bowed down at the same time, and there they stood, stood out like a sore thumb. Can you imagine uh, the pressure that they must have faced? If we were to make a list of uh, influencers in our world today, surely it would be politicians and those that control the money and power in society, musicians, media, educators, uh, uh, entertainers, and the lists could go on. I wonder if there is not a command to conform to values, but there is an implicit pressure for us to adopt uh, the culture's values and, and uh, convictions. I talked with one of our church members here a few months ago, and he teaches biology at uh, local community colleges. And he expressed that it, not on all subjects in biology, but if he were to teach what he really believes on certain subjects, uh, there's a danger he could lose his job. You see, there's this pressure for us to adopt the culture's values. How much of the music that you listen to on the car radio, do you actually believe the same uh, uh, values that are being portrayed or that are being communicated in the lyrics of those songs? Not all of the songs are bad, obviously. But it seems to me that there is oftentimes an implicit message that is coming at us from so many angles. And it's, in, and it's interesting to me that uh, Nebuchadnezzar uses song here because music can be so subtle in an effective way in impressing upon us a certain worldview. What kind of convictions do you have? Have they been influenced by the world around you? I almost guarantee you they have. And we ought to recognize that and then begin to uh, identify, is, are those the convictions that I actually want to live by? How do you form the convictions that you have? Jesus told a story about how the ground can shift beneath us. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, the words of Jesus, and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house it fell with a great crash. We're looking at the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, uh, and what we see here is that they, their lives did not come down with a great crash. 
they had built their lives on a firm foundation. Uh, as they stand on the plains of Dura, they heard the proclamation. Na- uh, this is the proclamation that was said to everyone. Nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. And it reminds me of another verse that comes in the very last verse of the last book of the Bible, Revelation uh, chapter 7, verse 9 says, After this I looked, and there before me stood a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white clothes, white, white robes, and were holding palm branches in their hands. So in other words, they're preparing to worship. You see, we see a contrast between the plains of Dura and the throne room of heaven. On the plains of Dura, all the people are commanded to worship King Nebuchadnezzar. But in heaven, all the peoples are compelled to worship King Jesus, not by force, but by the beauty and love of Jesus. The statue of Nebuchadnezzar is an image. Jesus is the real deal. King Nebuchadnezzar wants to be seen as great. Jesus is great. King Nebuchadnezzar's statue would not last, as we will see. The, the, Roman, uh, I mean, the Babylonian Empire would fall. Jesus and the things done for him will last even into eternity. You see, if I could tell you just one thing today, it would be this. Everyone serves and worships something. Everyone is living for something. The good news is that you get to decide what you're going to live for. You get to decide what you're going to serve and worship and what is best. And what I want to impress upon you is to consider living for a loving and awesome God. That Jesus is the real deal. All this other stuff will not last. And even in this life, it will not satisfy. But a life built upon Jesus is a firm foundation that will last forever and withstand the storms of life. And so I want to just impress upon you today, if you have never given your life to Jesus, I want to invite you, not command you, not force you, but invite you to be compelled by the love of God and to ask God to come into your life and to begin to devote your life to Him. See, I have wondered if I was in... uh, these three men's shoes on the plains of Dura, would I have bowed down? What do you think you would have done? Think about that. Put yourself in their shoes for a second. You stand before this impressive statue, maybe as tall as that pine tree, and probably taller, actually. And, uh, and it's covered in gold, and there's thousands of the bigwigs in Babylon, all the leaders. These are the who's who of Babylon, and they have all bowed down. Would you have bowed down? I hope I wouldn't have. Dawson says he wouldn't have. I don't know. But here's what I can challenge us to, is to renounce the idols in each of our own lives. To renounce the things in our lives that can come before God. A a year ago, we did a sermon series on idolatry called Counterfeit Gods. And it was kind of based on Tim Keller's book by that name. And Keller says in the book, a counterfeit God is anything so central to your life that 
that should you lose it, your life would hardly feel worth living. An idol has such a controlling position in your heart that you can spend most of your passion and energy, your emotional and financial resources on it without a second thought. Idols typically are good things in nature. Uh, what's wrong with them is in their, they're in the wrong spot. They have too much priority in our lives. The best thing to do with idols is to renounce them over and over and over again until they take their proper seat in the back seat under the authority of God. And so my question for you is, what are you really living for? The idols in our lives, uh, the idols in our world today, oftentimes come from the pressure to perform, to possess, to be powerful, to be perfect, and to have power. And uh, uh, to, be, uh, to be popular, to be perfect, and to have power. And uh, we oftentimes are driven by those things. You know, for me, uh, I have to renounce every day a desire to see the church grow and to be successful. Not that that's bad, but what can happen in my heart is it almost becomes more important to me than to live for God himself. I love my kids with all my heart. I renounce their success every morning to God. Not that I don't want them to be successful, but I want them to love Jesus more than all of those other things. You know, I want you to just recognize in your own life, what are you really living for? Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego had made up their minds to live for God alone. Jumping down to verse 12, it says, But there were some Jews whom have set their affairs over the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Serve and worship. Verse 17. We see uh, if we, this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say if we are thrown into the fiery furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver, deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up to serve and to worship. In verse 28, they trusted in him and defied the king's commands. This is now Nebuchadnezzar saying about them. They trusted in him and defied the king's commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve or worship any god except their own god. Here's what I want to impress upon you today. To adopt the core convictions of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. To serve and to worship God alone. To serve and to worship God alone. In fact, I'm going to give us an opportunity. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had to take a public stand on the plains of Dura. We're not in that position where there's going to be a a ton of pressure, but I'm going to invite you to take a public stand by repeating after me that you are going to serve and worship God alone in 2021. Joshua 24, 15 says, As for me and my household, we will serve and worship the Lord. And so I will invite you to say that with me today. 
As for me, I will serve and worship God alone. Shortly after Vietnam fell to communism in the 1970s, there was an effort in the country to extinguish all Christian beliefs. Many Christians were arrested and thrown into prison so that they could be uh, indoctrinated with the atheist belief that there is no God. A man by the name of Hein Pham, who knew English well and had helped English-speaking Christian missionaries, was among those arrested. The constant pressure to change his convictions was unrelenting, and month after month of hearing that there was no God and that, uh, and that communism was the only way, he slowly began to buckle under the onslaught against his faith. What He said to himself one day, what if God doesn't really exist? What if I uh, have been deceived? And finally, one day he says, he woke up and he said, today's my last day of being a Christian. If God doesn't reveal himself today, then I give up and I give in, and, uh, and I will be an atheist. That day he was assigned to latrine duty, the worst job in the whole prison system. And uh, he was emptying a tin can overflowing with dirty toilet paper. And he saw a paper with English writing on it. And he hadn't seen English in months. And so he quickly tried to clean it off and he, and he stuffed it in his back pocket. That night after his cellmate had fallen asleep, he pulled out the piece of paper and with a small flashlight, he wanted to see what was written in English on this piece of paper. And to his amazement, it was a page from the Bible. Uh, in the, in a, a dirty, in the toilet paper trash can, uh, he had found a page of Scripture, and it was Romans chapter 8. And tears began to flow down his face as he read the words of Scripture. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or nakedness or famine or the danger or the sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The next day, Hein asked for latrine duty again. And uh, the jailer looked at him as if he was nuts, but he gave him the humiliating job. And sure enough, in the trash can, there was another page of Scripture. Someone in the prison system was using the Bible as their toilet paper. And before long, Hein had the regular duty of cleaning the toilets, and he had many pages from the Bible that he would use that night to strengthen him in his faith. Even though he was on the verge of walking away from the faith because of the pressure that was put on him by the communist prison, Hein recommitted his life to God and his word uh, reminded him of how much God loved him. 
And so this is what I want to impress upon us once more on the first Sunday of 2021. That God does exist. And that He, and that he loves us. And to have Him at the center of our lives is the best life possible. In fact, I want to impress upon you that, that though the ground is shifting under your feet, it's, uh, if we adopt the values of the world around us, it's an unstable and unsure foundation. But Jesus has challenged us to build our lives upon something different, upon uh, Him and His words to us. And so that's my challenge for us today. That this year and for the rest of your life, that you will live with the core conviction to have your life devoted to God. And so we're going to make a public declaration today. If this is your desire, I invite you to repeat after me. And I invite you to do this verbally aloud. Repeat after me. I will live with personal devotion to God in 2021. I will worship and serve Him alone. Okay, that, that, that was okay. All right. I don't want to be critical on the first Sunday of the year, but you can do better than that. If this is your desire, you know it's coming now. If this is truly your desire, I encourage you to repeat after me. I will live with personal devotion to God in 2021. I will worship and serve Him alone. If you've said those words, that's great. That's the, that's the best core conviction that you can have in your life, to worship and serve Him alone. Actions speak louder with words. And this morning, uh, many of you have declared with your words that you will worship and serve God alone. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to build on that. Uh, we're going to look at personal devotion to God, public, public witness for God, and worldly success with God. These are the three things that I think we need in our world today. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego can set an example for us. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we just uh, humbly come before you and we bow the knee of our hearts uh, before the throne of, before your throne, God. And we, and we publicly declare our devotion to you. God, we recognize that uh, the world around us, it, it may be becoming more and more difficult to really live with our devotion uh, to you. But we ask and pray that you would give us strength. We pray that you would strengthen us with your word and help us to live for you. And God, we know that if we do, if we live by those, those core convictions, that it is a firm foundation. And so God, I pray for West Covina Christian Church. I pray for me and my family. I pray for each person that's here, each person that's joining us online. I pray for the uh, homes and the families and the communities right here around this church. 
I pray for those that we know and we love in our lives. God, we pray that this would be a year where we see more and more people making that kind of declaration that they will worship and serve you alone. And so, God, we pray uh, for your help along these lines. We know we can't do it in our own strength, so we pray for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. As we uh, prepare to take the communion together, now I invite you to gather your communion elements. You know, it's interesting that often Jesus does uh, challenge us to make a um, public declaration of our faith. And, and you're going to be challenged to begin to make that public declaration in, of your faith to, in this sermon series. I'm going to really challenge you. How can you be more outspoken for God uh, at your workplace and in your family and all of those things? But you know what's interesting? It starts with uh, Jesus giving a public dem- demonstration of how much he loves us. That's the reason why he came to this earth and he died on the cross. He's, a, he's always loved us. But here is, here's a way that we can look and uh, it's tangible ev- evidence. And now he gives us physical elements. He gives us a little um, wafer and he gives us some juice. And he tells us to do this every month as a reminder of uh, his sacrifice for us that we could be his children. So I'm going to just give us a minute uh, as Renee plays a background song. Just... 30 seconds or so to uh, pause and to think about Jesus and what he means in your life. And then we'll take the communion elements together. God's word it says for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me let's eat in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me let's drink God God's word goes on to say for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes <laughs> 